Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Will you stand to your feet? There's so much more I can say. I'm trying to get through it. I went overboard or past my time, the first service. I'm going to do my best to keep the time frame. I'm going to turn with you. We're not going through our semester now, but I will say you don't want to miss Wednesday. If you're here or watching online, Pastor Josh Field is talking about the helmet of salvation, and he's going to continue our syllabus. We do things by semester here at Riverside Church, and we equip you with in-house production of resources that we just don't do this uh, and buy it off of Amazon. This is produced in-house, and it's intentional for where we're going as a church. So join us on Wednesday if you can. For now, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go ahead and get into this, and I'm going to give you, with God's help, an explanation of what we're doing here. Plain and simple. What are we doing here? What are we called to do? And what are we called to be? Matthew 5, 11 and 16. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. You are my followers. Be happy about it. And speaking of being happy, we've got a mural on the wall that has a big happy face on it. Go take a picture with it. And tag, I'm happy. I don't know. (laughs) For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled under the foot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Say that with me. We are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let our good deeds shine out for all to see, so everyone will praise your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father. This sweet 16, we're going to talk about a city set up on a hill. We're going to be talking about the church and its place and the rightful place and where we're at as a church. And, and if it's your first time to Riverside, just, just uh, I believe you'll still be blessed today because you're going to get a revelation, I think, today and understanding about God's, how, how, how detailed God is and how, how precise he is in establishing, and he was in establishing his kingdom. How many of you love to learn and have insight? I do. I, I love to learn and have insight. So will you bless the service one more time? Will you just make this your prayer and say, Lord Jesus, open my heart, open my ears, help me to receive, help Pastor Bobby to deliver it, God, in such a simple, simple explana- explanation, God, today in love and just an anointing. Let the anointing fill the house. And God, just we're just going to give you all the credit for it, every good thing that happens today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. One more time, give them a motivation. Just tell them thank you for your goodness, your love, and your kindness. And while you're, before you're seated, turn to someone and tell them happy birthday. Happy birthday. And you can be seated.
Did you know that the original name of Jerusalem during the times of Abraham was Salem? Which means peace, which means that Jerusalem was called the city of peace. This is the place where God had more historical events happen throughout the decades, throughout centuries. Since the beginning of time, we can look and really recognize that God was very intentional with this city that was taken by David when David was king. It was actually established during the time of Abraham. There were so many monumentous, strategic, very detailed historical events that would all tie in together. I want to begin just by sharing the slides with you and show you here where Abraham and Isaac were going up to the mount called Mount Moriah. This was in Jerusalem. This was at the pinnacle of the highest place within the city that would be called the city of peace. Before that time, Abraham would hear from God and God would test him and, and God would ask him to take his only son which you all know throughout learning and reading and being a part of church, and maybe you don't know, but this was a type of Jesus. Isaac was a type of Christ. That Isaac would carry the wood up that hill where he would be sacrificed. In like manner, Jesus would carry the cross, the wooden cross, up the hill where he would give his life. This was Abraham's only son, and Jesus was God's only begotten son. And this was foretelling of a time where Jesus would establish something and become the ultimate sacrifice. The place where God would ask his people to recognize throughout history that a price had been paid. And he called this place Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord provideth. So when we use the word and the term Jehovah Jireh, God provideth, you're actually talking about Sometimes we misquote that towards providing money or providing resource when actually it's pertaining to providing the ultimate sacrifice, which brings everything else into our life, essentially. So we have to get this into proper perspective to understand how important this place was. This was the place that God foretold about the coming Messiah, the Lamb of God that would be giving his life for you and I. Later on in history, you would look at David as well. David began to hear from God when God hit Israel with the plague. When, when the plague came over Israel, God told David what to do. And it was no coincidence that he went to that same mount, Mount Moriah, in Jerusalem. And in that place where he gave the sacrifice and the offering to God, as an act of repentance for all of Israel. This is where God met him. This at this location is where God forgave, removed the plague, and began to bless Israel all over again. To King David, this was a moment and a place that was special. It, it was a, a landmark, if you will, a place to look at and say, this is where God meets men. This is where God meets humanity. So it's no secret that whenever Solomon was born and 
David couldn't build the temple, that it's the actual temple that Solomon built was built on that mount. Solomon's temple was built on Mount Moriah. It was strategic. Again, once again, it wasn't just a coincidence. It was intentional. And so when you look at the building of this right here, you have to look at the comparison of the original tabernacle that God gave to Moses. This was the upgraded version, the 2.0. The other one was a tent made of animal skin. It had gates around it. All of it was surrounded. Most of it was cloth. For the curtains on the inside, everything was hand-woven. Everything was fastened out in the wilderness, mind you, and they used techniques as mold, molding, and they used the, just the old-school ways of Egypt that they learned how to make idols. They learned how to make these artifacts of worship in this temple in the old tabernacle. The old tabernacle didn't have a foundation. It was sand. The new tabernacle would be built on a rock, stones, much like the story of the parable, the man who built his house on sand and the one who built his house on the rock. You can see the correlation there. And so when you look at this, Jerusalem, the temple, was literally built not just on a cornerstone and stones, compressed together it was literally built on a mountain a rock it was built on something that was much bigger than itself and capable of holding itself even to this day there's a there's a spot in that place on Mount Moriah where the Ark of the Covenant was it's solid nothing stands there but the landmark still abides this was a type of so now we enter into a new place. And it wasn't but just not too far away from this location that Golgotha's hill was established and the Christ. Jesus was not crucified on this mount. He was literally just a little bit away from this location. So when you begin to look at this, you begin to understand that every historical act that God had done was done in Jerusalem. And then when you study a new covenant and you begin to understand what God did to establish something new for his people, it was going to be everlasting and it wasn't going to be temporary because if it was going to be something, the old covenant, if it was going to be something eternal, the, the, the temple would still be there. And it's not. To this day, people are trying to rebuild the temple. To this day, they're still trying to get ready for the sacrificing of animals. I don't want to mess with your eschatology and your theology, but I, the reason why they don't do it is because it is a fact that in order for them to order the next to, to, to place and to do the next sacrifice of a bull, a red bull, it's because they need the ashes from the last one, and archaeologists have not been able to find the ashes. Because you need some of the last remains of the sacrifice to go with the new sacrifice. And it's not there. But I want to help you understand that you don't have to go far to find the last remnant of what God's done for us. Because it's found in Christ Jesus. Amen. Much more precious than the blood of goats, the ashes of a heifer, 
in the book of Hebrews says the blood of Jesus is far, far more precious. And by faith we go back and we look and we see what God has done. And then so we find the prophets begin to talk about a new covenant and a new day. That God would set on his mountain a kingdom that would be greater than all the other kingdoms. We look at the place now where every historical event took place after the resurrection of Jesus. Guess where God goes back to start his church? He goes back to Jerusalem. When he goes back to Jerusalem, he is there and the apostles, the disciples, they're waiting for the promise of the Father. And when God pours his spirit out, he literally gives the people the presence of God in their hearts, in their lives. He pours his spirit out. What was symbolic in the Old Testament for the Ark of the Covenant was now placed inside of the heart of humanity. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, and within that box was the rod of Aaron, which represented the high priest, Jesus. Aaron, the first high priest, chosen by a stick that blossomed from an almond branch, signifying that it would be put in the Ark of the Covenant, which was a type of the Holy Spirit or the presence of God, which means that under a new covenant within his spirit, we have an intercessor with the great high priest, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the tablets that Moses had been given by God where he wrote with his own fingers on the tablets was put in the box as well. And now Jeremiah wrote and said, and a new covenant I will make with my people, and I will write my law upon their heart. And they will be my people, and I will be their God. And now when we receive the Spirit of God, it's called righteousness. And by his righteousness, we walk in obedience and faith. And the Spirit of God compels us to keep the commandment by love in which there is no law. Causes us to walk and obey it. And then the manna was placed in there. Jesus said, Moses did not give you the manna from heaven, but my Father in heaven did. He said, for I am the true manna that has been sent from heaven. The one brokenness of his body, the one act of the crucifixion would be for our deliverance, would be for our healing, would be for our peace of mind. It would be for us to walk in the newness and be made whole. But God started the New Testament church in Jerusalem signifying that everything that had been prophesied over would come to pass. The first one, the first tabernacle did not have a foundation. The second one did. Solomon's temple was a type of the, that to come. Solomon's temple was something that was going to be built that had never been built before. Spiritually, it would represent where you and I would be here today. It is simply the fact that God is very detailed. God is very intentional. God knows what he's doing. God is a master builder. He's the apostle of our faith. He's the prophet of prophets. He's the teacher of teachers. He's the evangelist that wins the lost and will leave the 99 to go to find the one. And he is also the pastor, the good shepherd of the church that gave his life for his sheep. 
He is the government of God. He is the very representation of the kingdom of God in the earth through the Holy Spirit. And when you look at this act of God, of pouring his spirit out, it was all for a spiritual experience of God establishing the kingdom in the earth. When Jesus was resurrected and he spent 40 days and 40 nights, when you read, and, and you can take note of this, in Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49, you'll find that Jesus actually speaks to them and says, during that time frame, every gospel writer had their interpretation of those 40 days and 40 nights. And Luke wrote that Jesus said, now I will explain to you what Moses, the prophets, the Psalms meant concerning me. And he began to expound on the kingdom of God. And he began to tell them that everything was about me. And I'm going to do something that's going to change the world. And here's what the apostles asked, the disciples asked. They said in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, it says, they asked, will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? In other words, the, the disciples said, are you going to bring back the good old days? They were thinking that Jesus was going to rise up as the king, form an army, rebuild and reinstitute the temple the way it should be ran, kick out the, the scribes and, and the priests, and kick out everyone in the sand. I mean, he was going to set things in order because they remembered he flipped the table, sire. They remember how angry he was when he said, you made the house of God a thin of thieves. And he told them essentially when you read in there, he says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has placed in his own hands. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, I'm not going to restore the good old days. I'm going to establish a new covenant. My spirit was never meant to be in a box. It was meant to live in the heart of humanity. And I will build a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will establish something new. When you read the message that Jesus gave concerning the kingdom of God, it was all built around the foundation. And the foundation would be set. And once the foundation would be set, God would build upon the foundation. And every stone that was placed upon that foundation was going to be a living stone. When you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, listen to what it says. So now you... Gentiles, turn to someone and tell them, that be you. That's talking about you. Are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are, say we are, his house. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully, watch this, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a what? Holy temple for who? The Lord. Through him you 
Riverside Church are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Where God lives by his spirit. He would rebuild the temple, but he would do it in an eternal way where there would be no Assyrian, Roman, Philistine, anyone, Samaritan, no one could come and destroy it because he gave a promise and said he would never leave us or forsake us. He gave us the same promise when he told the people, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up at the last day. And here's a significant part of that word. It's this. If that same spirit that was in Christ Jesus is in you, the same shall resurrect you at the last day. What a promise. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 9. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone, the living cornerstone of God's temple. Say, I'm the, I'm the temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You are the living stones. Not the rolling stones, the living stones. Turn to somebody, tell them you're a living stone. You see, you have been made the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you. But when we come together at church, someone's, always, someone's asked me this question before, why, why do we even need to go to church? I've had, throughout the years, I've, had, I've heard this before. Why do, we even, what, what's, why do we even need to go to church? In fact, when we first started the church, we were at a, at, a, at, a, at a small group at someone's home, and a lady spoke up and said, why do we even need a pastor? It was our biggest small group ever, and I was so excited about it. I'm like, man, what a great small group we've got tonight. And this lady who just started coming stands up and says, I don't even think we need a building or a church or, or a pastor. We just do this ourselves. Listen, just because you're alive and a living stone doesn't mean you can do it by your own. God has a government. God has a system. God has a plan. And you must stick to the master plan. And listen to what it says. Once more, once more, you are his holy priest. Are there any priests in the house? Because if you're the temple, you're also the priest. And the Holy Ghost is the high priest, the spirit of Christ. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual mediation. Through the mediation, not meditation, we're not Buddhist. If you're Buddhist, repent. <laughs> of Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem. Chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts him will never be disgraced. Yes, you are trusting. You who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who become, for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. So they meet their own fate and was planned for them from the beginning of time. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. Say, I'm chosen. 
Say, you are a royal priest. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, of God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God as he called you out of darkness into his wonderful and marvelous light. Turn to somebody and tell them we are the church. I know we show you pictures of the building every now and then in every service. We try to project that and speak over it and be consistent with that. But don't get confused. This building is not a church. The church is sitting right next to you. The church is sitting right next to you. But when we all come together, we turn into lively stones. And when our faith is meshed and when our values align and when our passions are cross-pollinated and everybody steps into the house of God with their proper identity, then the lively stones begin to be constructed by the Holy Ghost. And every person makes a contribution through worship. And God, through our faith, through our faith, begins to inhabit the temple. And it's through the temple, it's everybody, it's everybody started recognizing who they were and didn't see church just on Sundays and Wednesdays. Then you bring it from the house. But when you become in God, when you become part of the church and you're alive and you become a living stone, then when you step into this moment together, the glory of God will step in just like it did when Solomon, when he dedicated the temple to God, the scripture says that the spirit and the glory filled the place that no priest was able to minister. That's the goal. We're educating people. We're discipling people. We're helping people grow and mature. Maybe you're accustomed to just going to church just to clear the conscience. Maybe you have gone throughout the years to go to church just to say, I'm a good person. Maybe you have come here just for a quick fix to go back out into the world. But I want to tell you, we're, that's no offense, but that's so shallow. You are called to find your identity. You're called to help yourself recognize that you are the temple of God and you are a holy habitation of God in the spirit. And you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people called out from the world into his marvelous light, into a place of revelation, understanding, power, and authority. Don't forget the city of David was great because it had the temple in operation in it. When the temple of God was functioning appropriately, when the kings of the Old Testament, like we've learned through the semesters here, when every king would function in the temple correctly and have the prophets functioning and have the priesthood doing the rituals and every tradition that God had established, then they saw the glory of God and then they were able to take territory. That's why David was a great king because David put the house of God back in order. And when David set the temple and when David took the tabernacle to that place of Mount Moriah, he started off what looked like a warehouse. But then his faithfulness, there came a time where his son was able to build the church of God and the temple of God, which would be a type of new church and an old new covenant. The new church and the new covenant would have a foundation. It would have stones of, we would have doctrine that was laid by apostles and prophets fulfilled. And God would pour his spirit out and it would be a building come together, fitly joined together like a good good, solid home that would last forever. 
for this reason and for this reason why we do things by values here. Our number one value is family. For this reason, we follow our values. Family was the first institution that God established within the earth with Adam and Eve. Under our New Testament, when Jesus came, he called God his father that had never been heard before. Family, I believe, is God's main priority. Family. Worship. Understanding worship is more than a church service. It's a lifestyle. Worship is what we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Someone say it takes commitment. It takes conviction. Prayer is how we breathe. Prayer is like breathing and taking oxygen in. Prayer is what we live by. Nothing happens in the world except by prayer. Nothing happens unless we pray. You can say God is in control all you want to, but if you ain't praying, God's not in control. Prayer is the means for the hands and the feet of God. Prayer is how God uses the body to perform his work. Prayer, without prayer, nothing happens. You want to learn more? Come back to church. Giving is a lifestyle, and giving is part of what we do. A giving of ourselves, not just in treasure, but in talent, and also of time. And what we do here, we form a lifestyle of this because we have learned how to become a river, not just a pond. A pond is stagnant. A reservoir is stagnant and can be stagnant. But a river has a flow. And unless you have and create a flow in your life through these three avenues, you become stagnant like the Dead Sea. And you won't live and you won't thrive and you won't be like a tree planted by the what? Rivers of water, not the pond. The rivers of water. Serving is our disposition. Serving is what we do because this is what Jesus done. Not only did he rebuke Peter and say, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. But I got to tell you, even today, he's still washing us. Even today, he is still forgiving us of our sins. Even today, he is still serving. Your king still forgives. Discipleship was the means that Jesus used to teach his disciples what to do to turn the world upside down. And wholeness is the goal. Not only do we want you to get a spiritual fix, we want you to also be whole and healed in your body. We believe God still heals. We believe that God still does miracles. We believe that, well, let me just tell you, we've seen it with our own eyes. There are times where God moves in this building through worship. Any given moment where somebody's faith is open is when somebody gets touched. We've seen cancers healed. We have seen broken bones. I've mentioned this many times. People are baptized in the Holy Spirit all the time. All the time. Hundreds. Because of discipleship and because of presented opportunities to be made whole. God still delivers. God still sets free. God still wants to help you in your mind. Your mind be healed. The consistency of the presence of God will allow your mind in prayer to be rewired. Where there used to be fear, there can be faith. 
Where there used to be impatience will now be patience. Where there used to be hatred, unforgiveness will now be love. You just got to give them the time. God wants to make you whole. And just like the dedication of Solomon's temple, we believe that the glory of God is going to fill the house. What we have been doing over the years has been getting everybody on the same page, getting everyone in alignment and understood and to understand who they are, what you do, and not just have church at church, have church at home. Not have church in the church building, have church in your building, your body back at home. Where we don't just bring the get the fire here. Let me just help you with your with your steps here and your strategy. Uh, I'm going to mess with you. Sometimes we need church to get the fire going again, but the truth is the fire needs to be started at home. Then you bring it to the house of God, and then when you come together and everybody's bringing the fire from the home, they're lively stones. And when we come together in worship, the Spirit of God inhabits that temple, and people are healed, set free, and delivered. I believe with all of my heart, the day is coming. We haven't even seen it. It is happening now, and we're getting windows of it. But there's going to come a day where this church is known as the church you go to to get healed, delivered, set free, your family back together, your marriage back together, your children get a good report from the doctor, where we also have special needs, where special needs children are being healed mentally and physically in this place. How many of you believe that? God is still giving his presence and power out by an anointing. By an anointing. The anointing still flows, and we have never compromised that, and we will never compromise it, and we'll take the ridicule, and we'll take the persecution. But I'm going to tell you, look around. It's not dying out. People are hungry for it. People are hungry for something more. Not just a story from the word of God. Not just another, another theological perspective without presence. If we're going to win this generation, this is all I'm going to say about it. If we're going to win this generation, it's not going to be through doctrine. It's going to be through the great physician, the doctor of heaven. It's going to be through the Lord manifesting according to the faith we have in his word. People want to know the God of the Bible, not just the Bible. People want to know about the Holy Spirit. People want to know and understand that God is still alive. How many times have you heard somebody say, God, where are you? I've got to move on. Here's the point I'm going to give you. We are called to rebuild the temple on Salem Road. It's no coincidence that Jerusalem, I, I just... I just know God is so accurate in what he does. Salem means peace. Salem was the original name of Jerusalem during the times of Abraham. And there's no coincidence that God has placed us on that road. See, if you didn't grow up in Victoria, you don't understand the history. See, when I, see, when I was growing up in high school, when I went here, when I was living here, that's where my parents and everyone else told me not to go because that's where the witches were. <laughs> that's where they would drive out and do their seances. It was known. In fact, let me just simply tell you, I think it's just hell trying to take the word and make it a place of torment. How many movies? I mean, listen to me. If you were to go to the movies and you saw a movie called Salem, would you go watch it? 
because in your mind, it's going to be a scary movie, right? Right? See what hell has done? But we're going to take it and turn it around. Where the church was being persecuted and chased after and the disciples were hiding, that's where God said, that's where I want to build my church in Jerusalem, right there. Well, I'm going to tell you, or do we, God picked a space for us. Years ago, one of my dear friends and board of directors in the very beginning of this church, the very beginning, he was an electrical engineer, and he took me into his office at AEP. He was a supervisor. Over 16 years ago, he took me into a table, a boardroom. He showed me the map of Victoria. And he just said, hey, Pastor Bobby, i got to tell you something. He said, if you ever buy property, he said, buy it right here on this side of town. He said, right there is where the city's going to grow. That's when nothing was out there. He said, they have projection. He was showing me all Benavides Road. He was showing me all what they're going to do. They're not even done yet. He said, neighborhoods are going to grow out this way. Everything's going to happen. The day we paid off the property years ago, when we paid it off, I called him. What he didn't know was the exact same spot where he put his finger is the exact same place God gave us that property. Exactly. Right there. God knows what he's doing. God's called us to rebuild the temple, not like you think. God called us to build a church, not like you think. God called us to raise up a people. God called us to help people establish their values, their principles, give them revelation and know who you are. See, in America, we think church is lights, camera, action, lunch, and then we go home and sleep. But it's, this is what it's all about. You come into the headquarters. You receive your instruction. You get discipled, and you go out and be the church. You take it to your home. You take it to your marriage. You t- I'm telling you, this, this it works. It works. It works. I can tell you from my family's perspective, we see and hear good reports happen every single week. God is moving every single week. And we, this year we have seen, this year we have seen God. In the beginning of the year, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going through a season of sowing. Sow into everything and every ministry that you have right now. And by the end of the year, I'm going to bring you the, the ROI. I'm going to bring you the return on the investment. And that's what we've been going through. That's why some of you business owners right now, God has had you investing and spending time in your businesses right now because it's corresponding to the vision of this house. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you business owners, I've talked to you. You've gone through a season of pushing, sowing into your business because God is fixing to raise you up with this church. God is fixing to raise up kings. God is fixing to raise up people that will finance, and he has been and will continue to do so. But you're not just here to take up space. We are here to take over. God is not here just to establish a building. It's not about the building. You come before the building. He comes before the building. The building is nothing. The building is absolutely nothing. If it was, we'd be putting church pews in there, carpets all over the place. I hate to give you the report, spoiler alert, but there's concrete floors in that building, no carpet. We're going for the warehouse look again. That's right. It's not about the building. It's about the people inside the building. 
Don't worry, it'll have air conditioning. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. You ready for a revelation? Turn to somebody and say, hey, get ready. Get ready. Ready? Watch this. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 11. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he talked to him to leave his home. Go to another land. God would give him as an inheritance. He went out without knowing where he was going. That sounds like us. We didn't know what we were doing. How many of you heard from God, started something, didn't know what you're doing, but then God helped you out? I'm thankful for God's grace and help. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith. In other words, it took time. It doesn't happen overnight. Every great thing takes time. Anything in life I've seen that just happened so quick and took off, it did not have a good foundation. This is why God has had us here for 16 years. Don't let the building fool you. We function as a mega church in this place. We function at a higher capacity organization, staff-wise. God is equipping us right now with men that are being sent to us, families that are being sent to us that are high caliber. This is not made up. This place is the house for thoroughbreds. God is raising up something so intricate and so detailed and so precise that he's doing it intentionally for us to be an impact and take the city to another level. And I say that very humbly because let me read you this scripture. Even when he reached the land, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. Julie, I'll never forget the first service we had in the hotel room. There was another pastor holding a service. And they had close to 100 people in their service. 70 people, I think, to be exact. That, to me, that's almost 100. I don't know. Maybe I stretched the fish. But I, uh, I'll never forget this guy. He, he, uh, this pastor told me, so what do you believe? And I told him what I believe. And he said, oh, you're one of them. He goes, I, he says, good luck. There's a lot of you in this town. And I was thinking, what are you? And I was thinking to myself, what a discouraging word. And I felt like a foreigner. I felt like I was, didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh, God. But you have to ignore the criticism, the ridicule, and die from the criticism and go through the persecution and be confident in your stance and your direction with God and be consistent because the same people that see you fail are the same people that are going to see you succeed and so did Isaac and Jacob and he inherited the same promise listen to this here's what I was going to show you verse 10 Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundation. A city designed and built by God. Did it say Abraham was looking for a temple? See, the temple and the sacrifice was part of his lifestyle. Abraham was known as an altar builder. He wasn't looking for a church. He was looking for a city. Are you ready? You see, that's what made the city of David great. It wasn't the city alone. It was the temple. The temple 
of the worship is the means for making a city great. So here's the point. God has not called us to build a church. He called us to build a city. Establish the kingdom. The kingdom is bigger than the temple. The temple is the heartbeat of the kingdom and the expansion. For this reason throughout the years, and I have to hurry, this is why we have established the things that we have been establishing. So you, some of you understand what we're doing here and what's taking place. We are learning how to run here and walk fast here. So when we hit the next location, we hit the ground running. Everything God is doing with us is establishing resources for the city. For that reason, that's why God allowed us to start Sip and Shine. It's not a cafe. It's a ministry. It's something that God had brought to us, and we were blessed with that cafe, which has many people every single week coming to the cafe, studying. They love the atmosphere, but I got to tell you, the residue of what happens in here carries over to over there, and there's such a peace in that place throughout the week. People recognize it. People feel it. They know it. But we also have the best coffee in town, just saying. Just saying. Better than you know where. Starts with an S, ends with the bucks. <laughs> when God told us to do this, it was because my wife had prayed. My wife had prayed for... My wife has had a heart for special needs ever since she was little. My wife prayed that God would allow her to do night to shine. And somehow someone from the Tim Tebow Foundation called us the very next week. She prayed and said, would we represent them in Victoria? And she said, yes, it was a God thing. Then she felt led and knew that these, these special, this special community of people, our heroes, needed a place to work. And she said, let's. I feel like God's telling me we need to do a cafe. And we prayed about it. God spoke to us. And when we stepped up by faith, he equipped us with everything. Everything you see back there has been donated. Then God gave us a food trailer. And we'll have a full menu coming within the next month or two in that cafe. The best menu that you've ever heard of from a food truck in town. Yes. I'm thinking of a name for that, but I can't think of anything funny, so we're going to move on. <laughs> that food trailer was given to us. The value of that, nearly $100,000. Then we needed another mobile truck to do cer certain locations, and then God gave us this food truck right next door to it. Most of you don't know, God gave us another food truck. Then we got a phone call from the owners of Mitchell School, and they want us to be the premier coffee shop at Mitchell School. And we're praying about that. We believe this is what's going to be there. We told them all we have is a truck. They said, good enough. We want you here. We don't want nobody else to take it. Bring the truck. Start off with that. We'll put something better. We said, deal. Or as my son would say, bet. <laughs> then we have Riverside Academy. Riverside Academy is something that we started off with with just two, two staff members. The Varial family and their kids. Now we have about 27 students within a year and seven staff members, and we're still looking to hire. 
Everything great starts off small. If you're a retired teacher, come and volunteer your time. It's a great cause. This was open house. We had, a, we had a, a great crowd for open house, and God is beginning to grow this academy. But this is part of our future. This is part of what we do. This is part of what we're going to do to provide an option, a resource for the community, a spirit-filled, God conviction. Who's that handsome guy? <laughs> now, I'm super excited to talk about Riverside College. Dr. Al, give us a wave. Where are you at? He's in the back. You can't miss him. The light's hitting his forehead. He's right there. <laughs> Over 50 years of ministry writing Bible studies that have been circulated around the world, literally, in different translations, has affected the church community for years. Dr. Al is going to be the dean, and he's also our discipleship pastor. He has helped, and he has been for the past now eight years, or probably close to eight years, I met him at a conference I was speaking at. He had attended, and we were sitting down at the table, and he said to me, I got material I, I've been, and I've paraphrased, I got material I've been working on, and uh, man, I'd love to show you. And he showed me the material, and it's everything we've been trying to accumulate and work on for years, but didn't have the time. He said, for some reason, seven years ago, God told me to start working on all this stuff, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. He came up with curriculums, lessons, everything. That's part of Riverside College. He didn't know it, but God was preparing him to come be a part of what we're doing here. Dr. Al will be in the cafe, for, and he has a booth over there, a table over there with brochures. I have one of the brochures, brochures here that talks about the college, the accreditation you have with us, and the things that we're going to do here with this to help disciple people, to help people grow. Out of this college, we believe that God is going to raise up ministries here for the future. For this reason, I'm going to just drip this. You're okay with me dripping this a little bit? I talked to you. Is it okay? Put you on, put you on the spot. But um, Alex and Hannah, stand to your feet. You all know who Pastor Alex is? And Hannah. God has called them to be with us at Riverside, and he will be the pastor. He has an apostolic call in his life. He's prepared his whole life to network and build a network and get established. He will be overseeing the network that we're going to establish through Riverside Ministry Institute. But we train pastors, and we send them out. Alex and Hannah will also, she's involved with music. She will help, she'll be helping out with the choir and serving. She's a phenomenal worship leader. But Alex has an apostolic touch in his life. His father was Jonathan Seward that you saw on the screen. But he was designed to do what God is preparing us to do, and that's establish churches. And that's what he's here for. Thank you, Alex. We are getting ready to do something great beyond ourselves. It's not about the building, but let me show you the building anyways. This is our new church location. Where we're, where we're really at with the process in this building, we have gone through every phase. 
Everybody's required us to go through certain places. We've checkmarked everything that where we're at. The property being paid off, cleared out. The conceptual drawings, establishing a Riverside Academy, soil in the land testing, preliminary building schematics. We've gone all through that. Our builder is Logger, and they're working with us. We have a great partnership. We're excited about that. We were working on and still, I think we're just about done. We are done with establishing Sip and Shine Cafe. And now we're establishing Riverside College. All of these go to one main thing as well, to see lives changed by giving us more space for more people. Every service here is packed out. Every service is packed out. We always have overflow in the cafe. People watch there. Thank you if you're in the overflow and there are people coming in for the next service already. But we didn't end up here overnight. But this is where we're at and this is where we're going. But what does this mean? This simply means that God has a purpose and a plan. And God's going to build something here that's going to be different. And we are not in competition with other churches. I do want to take a moment and take time to thank churches like Faith Family. To thank churches like Parkway. To thank churches like First Baptist. Every church, the Methodists. Every church, the Lutheran, the Catholics. Everybody that's in here that has a walk with God in this community, in this city, has made a contribution. And we are part of the contribution. But our church does have a different vision. Our church has a different purpose. Not a better purpose, but a different purpose. And we are part of this. And God grows and takes over a city. It's not done by just one church. It's done by many. We have our assignment, we have our purpose, and we're going to do what God's called us to do, but the future is great, and we understand one thing. We're called to build the temple and restore what's been lost, and we're going to establish it on a foundation that's sure, and we're going to build it the way God intended to build it, and we're going to see thousands more people filled with the Spirit of God, baptized in His name, and come to an old rugged cross because Jesus carried it up that hill as a monumental moment for us to remember and never forget. We are here for a reason. We are here for a reason. You are here for a reason. God did not waste his time by giving his life. He poured his spirit out into your life so you can make a difference in your world. So when you say to yourself, I go to Riverside, I want you to know that it's more than just being a member. You are part of a family and part of a purpose. And I think it's good for us to say, let's turn this city upside down. The best is yet to come. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning? If you're in agreement with that, will you just begin to make this your prayer and say, Lord Jesus, let us come with purpose. Teach us how to be the church at home. And God, give me an anointing, an anointing to serve, an anointing with purpose. And God, let it fall on my family. Will you just join me in a consecrated moment right now? And will you join your family member that's with you, your friend, if it's appropriate? And, and simply just begin to make this your prayer and say, Lord, build your house. Build your house. 
teach us how to have church at home. Teach us, dear Lord, how to become the temple God 24-7. Help us to become a royal priesthood that's offering incense of sacrifice, of praise, and worship continually. Let the candlesticks, God, of your presence light up in our lives. Let the Spirit of the Lord, God, be upon us. And let the fear of God be upon us. Let the wisdom of God be upon us, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the counsel of God, and the power of God. We surrender ourselves and our spirit and we say, light our world, dear God. Set us up on that hill on Salem Road, a road of peace. What has been used for torment and perversion for years, we take hold of it in this city and say, God, set us up in that place. Set us up in that place, dear God. Help us to rise as a phoenix out of the ashes, God, and let us begin to take hold of our purpose in this life. For every business owner here, for every teacher, for every servant, to every volunteer, to every person that's here, raise up the kings, raise up the priest. Begin to excel. Accelerate them right now where they're at. Accelerate them right now where they're at. In the name of Jesus, accelerate them right now, God. Right now, build your church. Come on, let's sing it. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.